In a world where geek is now chic, what was once deemed nerdy or geeky has become fashionable. What used to be odd and different is now part of mainstream culture. The way we consume our entertainment has changed with the advent of new and meaningful technology. Comic books are no longer stories just for kids. They've become all-age entertainment with mature subject matter, rivaling the depth of the very best novelists. They've become a driving force behind a large portion of American entertainment. Costuming has gone from being a small but loyal subculture to a highly visible art form thanks to science fiction and comic book conventions that celebrate cosplay and fandom. Thanks to Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many others, the movie landscape has changed forever. Through Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and more, once genre shows are now mainstream rating giants. We are a podcast that looks at the comic book culture. We are a podcast that talks about the cosplay community. We are a podcast that can't help but dissect the movies and shows we watch. We are. We are. We are. The Galaxy Cast. Galaxy Cast fans, welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I have three people in the studio tonight. I have with me Eric the Artist. I am not the Mandalorian. <laughs> I have with me Gary the Stud. I think I am one. And I am Bob Chrisman, who is formerly Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a lot to talk about tonight, so we're going to get right to our point. Before we get into our first subject, we're going to talk about Johnny Depp and his role in Pirates of the Caribbean. We're going to talk about the theft of... On the set of The Mandalorian. Dum, dum, dum. We're gonna, Why'd you do it, Bob? <laughs> hey, shh. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, history of The Mandalorians themselves. We're going to talk about the Star Wars Boba Fett movie and what's going on there. And we're going to talk about John Williams and uh, what's going on with John Williams. Okay, so first thing we wanted to talk about tonight was the supposed idea that Pirates of the Caribbean is getting a reboot. Which, you know, I kind of saw that coming. So anybody who's watched the Pirates of the Caribbean movies knows that with the last movie, there there was a, a massive reboot coming anyway. we Well, I know it was Curse of the Black Pearl. Dead Man's Chest, I think, was two. Stranger Tie was three. End of the world. No, no. War, World's End was four. First, yeah, Curse of the Black Pearl, then... Oh, Dead Man's Chest was the second one. Was the second one, okay. So and Dead then Man's, At World's End. At World's End. Then Stranger Tides in 2011. And the most recent one... If you scroll down, was Dead Men Tell No Tales. Tales. Yeah, and I, I haven't seen either. No, uh, Stranger Tides or Tales. And actually, they're not bad, by the way. So, so if you ever get a chance, go see them. Oh, I'm gonna watch them. Um, they're totally worth it. Uh, I will give you the, the spoiler that almost everybody comes back <clears throat> on Dead Men Tell No Tales. It, it, I think it's one of the reasons they did it. But they also ended it open ended, right. very open ended. And spoiler alert: they talk about the kids, right? Because there's kids now. And that's kind of where I thought they would well, pick there was, up. Well, there was a kid at the end of uh, well, right. Strain, or, uh, I was gonna World's say, End. If you saw the end of World's End, you know there's a kid. Yeah. 
legend. They get into it a little bit when they get into it with uh, on Stranger Tides, but they really don't talk about it too much. Dead Men Tells No Tales really gets into the whole the kids, like what happened right. with both Johnny's kid and who's the part that Orlando Bloom plays. I forget the character's name now. Uh, Will. Thank you, Will. Turner. Will Turner has a kid too. We find out, and and so Together? we find out. Wow, that's awesome. What's that? Well, Will, together, Will, that's awesome. Will yes, Tur- they yeah. had one together. Will Turner's kid was the one at the end of World's End. Correct. Three. We find out about Johnny's kid, too. Oh, okay, okay. So there's, both of them have a kid. So the rumor is they're going to reboot Pirates of the Caribbean, which I'm actually okay with, but they're going to leave Jack Sparrow out. It's, it's going to be a true reboot. Which is a true reboot. I'm actually okay with that, though. Okay, are they going to leave Jack Sparrow out or are they leaving Johnny Depp out? Well, that's the question, right? Is or someone they else recast gonna come in? somebody else as Jack Sparrow? Right. I think it's so. I think it's difficult on two levels. I think it's hard to follow up Johnny Depp. <laughs> it is that he that character was he iconic. was iconic in that character. Yeah, but and and, and it, what's amazing is and they talk about it in the article how much of a risk it was at the time to give him this major oh, role in a tentpole film and how weird he was being on set with this character and everyone was like, "Is this going to work? I mean, this is not a right. hero character. What's going on?" And then it hit the screen and people fell in love. People loved it. Well, and I guess. He because he was in character so much, yeah. he wasn't taking direction well because he was in character. And so they would tell him what they needed out of the scene, but Johnny was answering as Jack Sparrow. Um, kind of like Jim Carrey when he would get a little out of control right. with his roles. The, the and, stuff he started doing, especially after playing Andy Kaufman, he started yeah, taking that to heart. Yeah, and and so Jack, well, Johnny did that here. Um, now, he's had tons of problems since Pirates of the Caribbean yes. 2. And ironically, imagine this, a drinking problem. <laughs> I can't well, I mean, help but think he was partially drunk on the set anyway. Of course, there's all the stories of him doing abuse. Yeah. And you know, people are mad that he's been cast in the Fantastic Beast movies. Right. Saying he shouldn't be. What role was he in? He's, he... he's Grindelwald. Oh, he's Grindelwald. He, he was at the very end oh. of the first one. Spoiler alert for those who haven't seen Fantastic Beasts. The whole movie, you think that, what's his name? Uh, Colin Farrell is the bad guy. Right. And at the end, Colin Farrell, thanks to the pomegranate potion or whatever the hell they call it, the, right. the, the stuff that transforms you and makes you change, uh, he changes into Johnny Depp. And he's been hiding, Grindelwald has been hiding as that okay. character the whole movie. And now Johnny Depp is the main character, villain-wise. He's kind of the Voldemort of the new series. He's right. the main bad guy in the sequel coming out this Christmas. Right. And people are like, he should have been recast. He should have been, it should have been refilmed. There's people in an uproar. over. And I guess my question is because of the abuse, is that? Because the the story is he was someone who was a physical abuser. And at that point, it's like, do you give people who are physical abusers multi-million dollar contract movies? Or do you find a, because there's so many actors out there, do you find somebody else? Should these people be, I mean, he's not being rewarded for being an abuser. It's not like they're going, hey, hire him because he's an abuser. Right. But should there be a punishment if that comes out? And then there's arguments that, it didn't happen. It's been exaggerated. Um, but right. then people are saying he's an awful person. Others are saying not. You know, it's it's one of those things where both sides of, of it have been touted to no end on the internet. So, And I guess this is where I am always like, you know, we have a court system for a reason. Like public opinion, the court of public opinion I don't think really should exist. To me, there's a, a court court system for a reason. Right. And a lot of people are just a little too quick to jump on bandwagons, I guess is the best way to put it. Because you don't need to have evidence to be a bandwagon jumper. But to me, the public opinion is what 
you know, right, right. You know, go to the court system. If there's something there, there's something to go after. The, the, the problem is back, you know, when people used to be accused of something apart from newspapers, you didn't hear about it much. Right, you're right. It, there was no social media. There was no... There was no 24-hour news feed. No, yeah. yeah, and now it's... And not only that, when you did hear the news, you never heard the mass public opinion right. and every single person commenting. Right. Now, everyone can comment on life itself in every way, shape, and form. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like just out of control in terms of, of just feedback. There's I agree. There's just so much feedback. I agree. It's hard to Absolutely. Yeah, and, and everybody wants their opinion to be right. <laughs> That's just the truth. <clears throat> so personally, as the character, I thought Johnny Depp was iconic. Jack Sparrow is going to go down in history. As as, a, as one a, of a great character. That's what I'm saying. Is hard to follow up. Yeah. How do you follow Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow? Someone has to play the son of Jack Sparrow and be different. Right. Create a new weird character. Could be like him, but with different quirks. Yeah. You know, and I would be actually be okay with that. That would work for me to have a Will Turner esque yeah. type character. That would work for me. Uh, I just I guess my question now is who's your bad guy? You know what I mean? Like, and you've done so many iconic stories. You've you've covered. The Dead Man's Chest, you've covered what's it, what is it called when you're dead in the ocean? Davy Jones. Yeah, Davy, Davy Jones, Jones locker, locker, thank and you. The boat and, da- and the, the whole boat, thing of him. right? The the Flying Dutchman, you've yeah, covered all Dutchman. the tales behind all of that. So there's really not a lot of pirate tales left to be told. Uh, well, I can't say we're we're experts on pirate lore. I mean, I'm not the, an the expert, big, no. Famous ones. That's what I'm saying. You, know, like you the say Davy Jones's locker, most people have heard that phrase. Right, right. And so that character worked. Right. But you could come up with something more obscure. Sure. And you know, like right now, I could say the Mary Celeste. Yeah, and it's an interesting story. That's kind of a ghost ship. Certainly nowhere near as iconic as Davy Jones, but they might be able to do something with something like that. But most people will be like, "The what?" Yeah, you know, and that's that's my point. Like, yeah. they, you'd need to research it a little bit to get to get it. You know, they've kind of hit all the big ones. Even even in the last movie, they show you why the pirates carry the skull and crossbone flag, which oh, okay. I thought was kind of cool that they got into that. And and so there's a lot of lore that they've already covered. I'm not saying there's not more lore they could cover, but it's kind of at that point where it's like they've covered the big ones. So like what while you have left is the small stuff. Well, let's hope it's not unless a you make stuff up or you know? you know like a lot of reboots do. Let's tell the story over again. Right. Let's do it a different way. No, <laughs> see that's oh, I hate that. What if they? So here's one I, I was thinking about too as I was reading this article. What if they tell a completely different story, but in the same timeline as? Jack Sparrow, but it's like something else is going on over here while Jack right. Sparrow's doing his thing. So you hear about him. Right. You they hear about Jack Sparrow. They mention about what's going on, but maybe this is about another thing going on at the same time the Jack Sparrow thing is going on. Yeah. Would that I always, work for you guys? I always like shows that do that if it's done well. Right. But it's going to be like, it's going to feel secondary. It's like the, right. we saw the big thing and we know what the big things led. If it goes in the same timeline, we know how it ends up. You know, yeah. it's like we know who gets defeated who lives who whatever so we're if you feel like you're following a secondary thing you know so to me it would feel like every netflix marvel show ever right <laughs> yeah. like they're yeah. all they all feel secondary they're all secondary or i mean you could go and say the prequels true you knew what was going to happen right. in the end you just i mean how we anakin becomes darth vader it's yeah. not like it was a surprise no side note have you guys been paying attention to all the netflix marvel series yep oh yeah i saw a great one where it's uh so Thanos snapping yeah, and then it shows, fingers and shows the two of them bursting into yeah. ashes. So for it. those who don't know on our podcast, the, the Netflix has been canceling shows left and right. First, they started with Iron Fist. There will not be a season three. And that didn't surprise me. That did not surprise that me at all. That was just like, yeah, okay, I get it. I watched season two recently. It was. I heard no, it was better than the first one. Better than the first, but, but still not. Right. Not. 
not like anything else we've watched. And now Power uh, Power Man, right? Yeah, Luke has, Cage. Luke Cage has been canceled for yes. his third season. I'm just now waiting. Now they're waiting for Jessica Jones. I was going to say, the shoe's going to drop. they got to wait for Daredevil <laughs> 3 to come out. It's, it's going out. to. Is it out now? It's out, yeah. Okay. I, I Give it a couple weeks. That'll probably get canceled, and I'm sure Jessica Jones, after its latest now, season. Now, do you think this is dropped. all getting canceled by Netflix because Disney's acquiring them and rolling Absolutely. into their screening? Are the same characters and actors going to come over? Is it going to be rebooted? I think it'll be completely rebooted. Ah, oh, that would suck because I like some of these people. I know you do. And I, I, I know – I think the plan is for Disney to pull it into their streaming service to – as I told you, I still think they're going to work towards a secret war. So they're going to work their Defenders up. They're going to work their Fantastic Four up, work their X-Men up into a Secret War movie. I, I think that's why they're doing it. They want everything on their service so they can make money off it. Right, I, I, right. I'd said it a while ago. I didn't see them letting the Netflix show go. So, so you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, I, I don't know how our fans feel about it, but it's uh, I, I, I like the idea. I liked the movies. The thing I just, is, I, I don't need to see more movies. Yeah. I'm like... Okay, I saw – I've seen Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Let's do something else. I guess the thing that concerns me is like the first few movies, there was like what? Three or four years between each one, right? Uh, four I think was the most we had seen between yeah. a movie. And then all of a sudden between uh, On Stranger Tides and Dead Men Tell No Tales, there were six years between, which felt like forever. There were a lot of rumors about there being a follow-up to Dead Men Tell No Tales, but nothing ever got confirmed until this article recently came out on Cinema Blend, and now it seems like maybe that's why. You know, right. Johnny Johnny might be out. Gary, what do you think of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies? Do you do you like them? I don't, we've never talked about them. I like the first one. <clears throat> that's the only one I saw. <laughs> see, so I, after that, you didn't even see the rest of them? I actually think the second one was better than the first. I do, too. I love the second one. It's one of my all-time favorite just um, adventure movies. Right. I just didn't understand how they can make a movie about a ride <laughs> at Disney World. Yeah, I know. But you got to see that, it. You got to see the lore they put into number two. I highly suggest number two. I just want to see a good pirate movie, period. Yeah. Did you watch Black Sails? I think yes. you did, right? I'm awesome. sorry. Why didn't somebody take that and make it a movie? Because, awesome. like, awesome. that show, what, what, I, did you watch Black Sails? I never Sales? watched Black Sails. Black Sails was amazing. I mean, just like I know I had phenomenally huge, amazing. Had a huge fan base. I was riveted from beginning to end. I've watched it several times since, from beginning to end. No. I, I couldn't watch it enough. It was a great play on pirate lore. It really was. And they did take a lot of liberties in it. Too. They did. So you have to use a lot of imagination. Well, you know? it's because uh, certain pirates weren't around with other pirates. Right. So, so I, the, I, I do know my pirates. So yeah. And I, I, I do too. I and, For some reason, I got hooked on that as a kid and I studied it a lot. And, and, and I think that's why I dislike the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah, because you have to totally suspend everything right. you know about pirates because oh, yeah. it's not it's anything. Disney pirates. Yeah. Right. And I get what you're saying, Gary. I, I always thought it was kind of backwards too that they based a movie on a ride. <laughs> it just seems backwards to me. Like you'd think you'd do the movie first, then do the ride. Yeah, but. It's like the movie Battleship. I think they need, <laughs> right? I think they need to do, do a movie about an asteroid, a big. Rocky mountainous asteroid floating in space, and it's called Space Mountain. Ah, I get it. Okay. People live on it and go through it, and it's got a whole society <laughs> inside of it. And you got to take a magic screw bus to get to it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then the people mover have to move people around on it. Yeah. <laughs> Disney's now, I tell you, Disney's next movie is going to be called Long Line. <laughs> it's all about Long Line. In the Disney parks. Up. Yeah. 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 Okay, let's move on to our next topic. And oh, wait. So this has a – I have a quick question. If they okay. reboot Pirates of the Caribbean, are they going to take Johnny Depp's Jack Sparrow out of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride because they added him in as an animatronic? 
I think you have to leave the animatronic in. I, I mean, really do. You have they to. They had the old ones in there for, what, 40 whatever right, years. Right. So they'll leave him in for 20, 30 years. Oh, at least. Okay. I think, he, I think he'll stay with that ride till they decide to end the ride. Okay. Whenever he's not there playing the role. Right. Cause which he's, was awesome. I've which was so cool. I don't know if you've seen videos of it. I, I, it's so cool. Uh, you know, I actually like it when he goes to hospitals too and, yep. and surprises does, kids and stuff. Cool stuff. It's, but that's it's the really thing. Cool so that's the thing is that. he does cool stuff, but then you hear stories about him being yeah. an awful person and you're like, it's hard to reconcile. And it was the same with, I mean, think about it, Bill Cosby. Yeah. As a kid, yeah, you idolized the guy. He's yep. like, oh, he was Mr. Perfect Dad and he, you know, had this great home. I'm, the TV show was such a huge success. Still haven't come to and grips with it. Like, you know what I mean? No, he's an awful person. He's yeah. a really awful person. I, I've decided he had, he had a split personality. He had mm-hmm. the on-screen person we saw and then there was the, the right. devil behind that. The, right. You know what I mean? And, but that's where you wonder about these people is how many people have we loved in life that you never heard these stories about? Probably more than you will ever it's know. It's probably most because yeah. a lot of people have a dark side and it, there's – Things yeah. about people, the things that they've done that I'm sure would be awful if we heard about them today, but since we don't know them, they'll always be an idol to us. Right. Exactly. I, I, I chalk it up to like when you meet your heroes and stuff and then they're not what you thought they'd be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'll give you that. I remember the one time I <clears throat> saw Brent Spiner yeah. at a convention and he wouldn't – he didn't even look at me. Hmm. I was the only one talking to him and he was looking everywhere else. He, he kind of said some things to me, but he wasn't even looking, making eye contact. And I'm like – Okay, we're done here. You know, it's like I just yeah. wanted to say hi. I mean, granted, I'm not giving you money. I'm not walking up and buying a picture. I just there was no one at your table. I thought I'd say hi and just appreciate your work. And it kind of goes, yeah, burst your bubble, right? About what yeah. you. I'll never forget that. You know that that's just the I, I like I love Data. I love the character. I love the things he's done. I think he's a pretty good actor and he's a cool guy. But I was so disappointed in that that brief interaction. That was my. And maybe um, you just had a bad day. I don't know. That was my interaction with Anthony Daniels. Mm-hmm. Kind of burst my bubble about Star Wars actors because I thought they were all amazing guys, and then I met somebody who was kind of a germaphobe. Yeah, and well, germaphobe can't help. Germaphobe I can't help, but like the reaction to yeah. the germaphobe, like I could handle that, and I get it. And but the way he reacted, and Gary could attest to that, was just way over the top. It didn't mm. need to be as over the top as it yeah. was. And I did warn you beforehand. You did, <laughs> but I wanted to have. My own experience, you know what I mean? Like, I wanted to say, okay, I I, I want to see if that was just a bad day you had, right? Like, actors can have bad days. And... Although I did have <clears throat> one of the awesomest times meeting my one childhood hero. Which is who? Steve, uh, <clears throat> Lee Majors, Steve Austin. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> that, was, that was pretty awesome. Right? Yeah. And sometimes yeah. they are cool. Yeah. I mean, sometimes... That was at Steel City Con, right? Yep. That we went to, yeah. Yep. And he was cool. He was totally. I mean, just I was. I was impressed. I was impressed with how cool he was. And you're right. I mean, every once in a while they surprise you the other way. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's go on to the next thing we want to topic we wanted to talk about, which is a theft, a theft, on the set of the Star Wars: The Mandalorian. Dun, dun, dun. It was the last wallet you'd ever need. <laughs> Well, according to a report from TheBlast.com, and it's been actually confirmed by pretty much everywhere else, that there was a theft of camera equipment on the set of The Mandalorian, ironically on Manhattan Beach. Um, Now, you guys brought up a point I had not thought of, which I was thinking like they had left equipment out on the beach, which no. they make it sound like that in That's, the article, Manhattan right? Beach is the town name, but there's, right. there's filming stuff. I mean, I've been to like Queens and stuff and there's actually some big, there are big buildings, studios. like studio there's, lots. Well, and yeah. Stuff I there. mean, okay. a lot of TV shows are filmed 
in studios in yeah. New York City. Right. You don't, or over in Queens. They have quite a film production stu- set over there. Right. Yeah, I knew that. Like, I knew, like, NYPD Blue and a lot of those were, were filmed over there. And I know currently uh, Blue Bloods is done there because well, the, Donnie Wahlberg. Talking about Bill Cosby, the entire Cosby show was, oh, really? filmed, was filmed there in Queens okay, in, I this, didn't know that. in this studio. So you made a valid point, Eric, I had not thought of, which was it could have been on a on an actual, <clears throat> like, closed yeah. stage oh, set, you know? You don't, I'll guarantee you they're not leaving this stuff out now, in the open. Right, and, and we'll talk about our thoughts on that in a minute. But basically, it's not the camera equipment that's causing the buzz. The buzz is that in amongst all that camera equipment was a... The possibility. They're not even confirming 100%. Right. Saying, well, I don't think they're going to... I don't think they're going to confirm yeah. it only because of what it might have. But supposedly there was a memory card, can, as they are saying, containing sensitive information that may have been jeopardized. So, John Favreau was filming a Tinder profile. <laughs> so what do you guys think that – first off, let's start with this. Speculation. What do you think the sensitive information was? Well, it's just it's footage from the show. Probably it could be The Mandalorian without his mask, so we see an actor. It could be all sorts of stuff that they don't want to reveal for another six to eight months or more could be on that footage. And it's like, there you go. All your secrets that are helping us to build the suspense story – could, could be get out, out the door. Out okay. the door. And that that's huge. That destroys your show. <laughs> right. What do you think it is, Gary? Because I have my speculation. I'm just curious what you think. It's pro- probably you're going to find out that the Mandalorian is a female or something or a black guy or, or something. Okay. You know, uh, Some ma- shocker. Ma- it'll make a lot of people mad. Okay. I could really care less who is the Mandalorian. Yeah, I, I wouldn't right. care if it's it, a black guy or a female. It wouldn't matter to me. It, it could be Jabba the Hutt as far right. as I'm concerned. It, it That's the cool thing about Mandalorians, right? Like when you right. look at the culture of the Mandalorians, which we'll get to the history in just a little bit here. It, it, it's definitely they, they it, picked up any race. It didn't matter. It, it, it's definitely going to be probably a reveal of who who it is, who it is behind the mask. Yeah, I mean feel. that's the thing is they're they're probably building towards that right. as being like a really cool part of the show that right. seeing who plays this character could be a famous actor could be someone we know from other things could be someone from the Star Wars universe right. you know under that you don't know could, and it, if that's something they're saving yeah it could be just a, a stuntman too and, yeah. and they don't Here, want that out. here's what i think might be on it on it not just the film cuz it's a, it's an sd card right I'm wondering if the script is on it for a show, which right. which could be a big deal. I'm wondering if the outline for the concept, right? Like, well, on camera cards, I don't think they're going to keep those. I think it's going to be. You'd pure like footage. to think that, right? Yeah. I mean, but I mean, who knows? It, unless there's other memory cards, they're talking like they well, describe it like, as a memory card. It right. could be more than one. could be more than one. I'm I'm also thinking like, what if Favreau and Lucas, because Lucas had just visited yeah. like that day, yeah. had sat down and like battered around ideas and they yeah, filmed it yeah right like that's what i'm saying like, yeah it could be discussion could be of the a long, discussion of an outline of what the series a, could a be about term. that i could see that's what i'm saying it could be see. like the big deal right i, I know what it was because lucas did v- visit him on his birthday mm-hmm. so it's a video of the birthday party <laughs> happy birthday to you. it's footage of the mando doing full frontal <laughs> Which is a surprise that no one's supposed to know so, about. So here's my my other speculation because Eric brought it up. He's got a wizard nose. Yes, he's got a wizard nose. Have you guys noticed <laughs> the height of the Mandalorian? Have you have you has anybody seen the? There was a meme out there I talking about any, potential height. Of I haven't him. seen anything to compare how tall he's not very is. tall. Okay, according to the set pieces, based on what we've seen, like say five foot ten, eleven, twelve. You know, five foot ten, five foot eleven. Who do we know actor wise is about five foot ten, five foot eleven? 
Gary. Starts with a D, has an L in the last name. Oh, Daniel Logan? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it is Daniel underneath all of that, which may be the other thing that we could be looking at here. So, all right. So uh, let's say for for the giggles of it all that it actually did get stolen and it actually happened. Is it an inside job? See, a set like this, we're talking a Lucasfilm big budget $10 million an episode show. Right. Lots of people think, working. You would think that they would have some serious security locking this thing down. So for someone to come in, get to a camera, take a card, and they're saying it was done at night. I could right. see if it got snuck out during the hecticness of the day. Right. It would definitely be an inside job because um, there's people in and out. But they're saying it happened at night. I think they're saying it happened at night. That's and, the implication anyway. And if that's the case, then how do you get past that security? How do you know where to go, what to get? Why take just that when there could be other things that are more valuable? It's like it sounds like someone could have known what they were doing and could be associated. Do you think it's an inside job there, Gary? I kind of think so. I think it was an inside job in that somebody knew where the, the camera card was. Maybe they didn't themselves. I mean, here's the thing. What if what if the camera? I mean, if there was only one card and one camera, how do you know which camera to go for? I mean, right. Well, what I'm saying is, what if the camera <laughs> operator deliberately left it in a yeah. certain place at a certain time in a certain location, yes. so that the person <clears throat> that they tell to go get that knows what they're getting, knows what they're getting, how to get there, and what to get. And that's what they, in the article they say the first thing they did was they they're interviewing, interviewing the, all the people who handled the camera. Handled the camera. Why did you leave that there? Were you the one to work this camera? Why right. was it there? Why was the card still yeah, there? Why, I can see those questions being immediate. Because that would be my other question is, what's the card doing in the camera at the end of the day? Yeah. Don't you think as, like, as the set director, as the person who's in charge of all this editing and everything else you got to do, don't you think you'd be collecting the cards would, at the end of every day, right? You like, would think. Because you'd download all the footage for dailies. Right. That's, uh, well, that's, see, you're thinking like I am, like a producer. Right. The only thing I could think of is they ended late and they're going to film first thing early and they're like... Yeah, lock just down leave the, the cameras. Lock down yeah, the set, leave the cameras, and we're ready to go. Right. I can see that. Yeah. But still, the person seems to know a what little fishy, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. Interesting. You know, I wonder how John Favreau is going to react to it all. I'm hoping later we don't have some sort of like it gets released online that, some sort and that's of thing. I'm, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for them to it does. almost blackmail and be like, yeah. well, if you want your footage returned, right. put, give pay us up this, $15 million or this were, Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah, untrackable right. Bitcoin to this account, right. boom, and then all of a sudden back. they, they, yeah, <clears throat> you know, very easily that would they be could do something like awful that. for Disney to have that happen. And who knows if they'd pay it or just let it go, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't see them paying it, but so anyway, so an interesting story. It's kind of a shame it's happening to the Mandalorian itself, but yeah. you know, hopefully it'll all get worked out and we, we find what we're looking for. Hopefully, and in a hopefully. few days, they'll say they found it and it was actually misplaced. Yeah, maybe. We hope. Okay, so Eric passed on to us a... I thought actually this was a pretty concise article about the history, the lore, uh, ever-changing history of the Mandalorians. And actually, who wrote this? James Whitbrook. I give the guy some credit. This is from io9.com, or io9gizmodo, I guess is the same website now, uh, .com. It it was a very interesting article and really kind of hit up... Boba Fett and the Mandalorians and kind of the culture and where it all came from. And I thought it was very well written. Uh, he went from when Boba Fett first appeared, which a lot of people don't know, that Boba Fett first appeared not in Empire Strikes Back, but actually dates all the way back to the, the Star Wars special. not-so-existent Star Wars holiday special. 
I actually, I, I don't know. You guys have watched that, I'm assuming, right? The the little clip mm-hmm. with Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. That's my favorite version of Boba Fett. I don't know if you guys have ever thought about like what the staff that he had. I thought oh, was, it was really cool. It was very cool. Yeah. The coloring of of Boba was really cool. And I was kind of disappointed, actually, when we get to Empire and the the coloring didn't match. You know, it didn't line up, and I was kind of like, "Oh, like it's not the same character." But that's okay. I, I was I was able to live for it. And so Empire Strikes Back comes out in 1980, and we get this this you know this idea that there's this group of people out there. We don't know what they are. Now it's interesting because they they hit up on the idea that Ralph McQuarrie really wanted the Mandos to be Super Commandos. They were kind of like an elite version of the Stormtrooper, right? Is my initial understanding of what yeah, they were. Yeah, they would have been the Republic Commandos. And that's why they right. were all why the original uh, was all white, right. wasn't it? Yeah, because they were supposed to be like a streamlined Stormtrooper. They had better equipment, better uh, you know, jetpacks, all sorts of crazy stuff that the the Stormtroopers couldn't afford. Which later as Gary pointed out, became the Super Commandos for the Clone Wars, which you know, the idea was there for that. Oh, the the, the Republic Commandos Became became the, the right. super commando right. So you know, um, so long story short, Boba Fett kind of becomes a thing, but he, um, they really don't identify him as a Mandalorian in Empire Strikes Back. A lot of people don't realize that, and it's not till the novelization that they mention the word Mandalorian. And then Marvel came out with a set of comics, and we see, uh, and I actually have the comic. I'll have to dig that out for you guys sometimes. It's interesting to look at. There was a, a couple cells where they talk about Boba Fett's past, and the Mandalorian protectors show up in a couple of the cells uh, from the comic, which are, are really, I mean, they're they're cool cells. And then you realize, oh wait a minute, Boba's not the only one. There's other people dressed like him. There's other people that that work like he does. And the one thing I always found interesting was it's not the two guys holding the guns. It's the guy with the gauntlet blasters yeah. that I always thought was so cool. I was like, wait. Oh, they can fire guns without having a gun in hand? That's kind of cool. This was also the first time we actually started to realize that the rocket packs, because there is another uh, cell where one of them is shooting a rocket out of the rocket pack. And it was like, oh, that's what it's for. So that was kind of cool, too. But Marvel starts doing their thing, and so that that becomes a big deal because that's, again, the first time that we see Mandalorians mentioned and the possibility there's this culture of Mandalorians then Dark Horse comes along, and they decide to take the Mandalorians back to the Crusader era, which is like back in the Sith and Jedi Wars and the role that the Mandalorians played in that. And that's where we kind of get the idea that they're kind of like samurai, that they have this honor-bound code and that they, they all stick together. Uh, and then they came out with probably the biggest comic book ever as far as Boba Fett's concerned, and that's Jango Fett's Open Seasons which came out just after Attack of the Clones, where we finally realized that Boba's not the only one, Django is his son, there's you know all this crazy stuff going on. Django's the father. Or Django's the father, thank you. Um, and all this crazy stuff going on. And and it's so weird to think that back then when we were watching, like, Attack of the Clones and, and all that, yeah, none of this Mando history really existed well. We didn't know a lot of it. It, it did and it didn't. I'm actually, shortly before... Was it shortly before? Yeah, it was shortly before Attack of the Clones came out. There was a Star Wars Insider article. It is an infamous Insider article. And actually, ironically, the author was Karen Travis. <laughs> and she wrote probably the most concise story about the history of the Mandalorians. She was the first. This was the first time we see a mention of clans 
within the Mandalorian culture. We get a glimpse of the language and the lettering of the Mandoa culture. There is an explanation of what Mandoa Day is. There's actually an explanation of what Mandalore, the leader, not the planet, is. And she gets into the culture of Mandalorians. And that was the first time it was ever explained that Mandalorians were kind of like a mixed race culture that would just grab anybody, anything. It didn't matter. Wookiee, Trandoshan, didn't matter. They found people that were left behind. They'd form a new family of this mixed culture and form a clan around that. The idea that family became whatever it was that was around you. So the family didn't have to be blood. It could be your closest friends, your closest people that are going to work with you. I loved that article. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll dig it out. You guys would just, I mean, you'd look at it and go, oh my gosh, like why didn't they just stick to this? Because it was so cool. And it was just the idea that the Empire in their efforts to put the galaxy together, right, were actually creating more problems because what they were doing was dividing the galaxy more. And the Mandalorians came along and kind of like scraped at the bottom and found all the people that were being left behind and tried to get them together into a culture. And that's what I thought was so cool about it was to show that the Empire was failing. And not only was the Empire failing, but it was actually helping the Mandos in the long run. So long story short, the Jango Fett Open Seasons starts to put together this idea that there is this Mandalorian culture out there and that the Death Watch exists and all these other things exist. And then, to me, the big turn was when we see Karen Travis like get a hold of this whole thing. I mean, like she really grabbed on after... The Clone Wars, and I just before Revenge of the Sith is when the first book came out, right, Gary? I think I think so, yeah. Somewhere right around in that time frame, and like that book was amazing. I mean, just absolutely amazing. And then every book that Karen Travis wrote about the the well, and that's the really weird thing. She's writing about the Republic Commandos, but somehow the Mandalorians became the focus of a book about Republic Commandos. It's odd, and it, and it works. It's weird because it's about the clones, but it's not. But it works. So then we see the Knights of the Old Republic get written into this, Tales of the Jedi <laughs> comics. I mean, it's just crazy. And then the weirdest thing in, like, Star Wars history happens. All this Mandoa, all this stuff gets created, Republic Commando books, Karen Travis, all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, it was almost like Dave Filoni decided... I don't like what you're doing there. It wasn't Filoni's... Uh, Who was the decision behind it? It was George Lucas. Was it George? Yes. Gosh, I want to go punch him for that. He, he, he didn't want to portray the Mandalorians on screen for a cartoon for kids to be... These... To be this uh, warrior culture, right. is that it? Which right. is a shame, because in his efforts to kidize it, he ripped down all this great stuff that Karen Travis had done, you well, know? I I don't know, you, you'll probably disagree with me, and the rest of the Mercs will probably disagree with me too, but I looked at it as this is a different clan that was in charge. I, I knew what you were trying to say, and I, I get it, but at the same time, by making them peaceful diplomats, I, I think they they took away from the cultural ideal. You know what I mean? The, not, the ideology. Not, 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 not really, because this is the way they this clan that took over was uh, their viewpoints. I get it. So here's my concern when I saw it in the Clone Wars cartoon. Now I'm really going to get hate mail because this is not how I think politically either, and it's weird. I think they made all of the Mandos look the same. White, blonde hair, blue eyes. Did you notice that in the Clone Wars? Oh, made them into Nazis? Thank you. The Aryan race. Okay, so like part of me looks at that and goes, they standardize what the Mandalorian should look like. And I'm like, wait a minute. Mandalorians are supposed to be anything and everything, right? And that's where I got concerned about where they went with that because the Conquered Dawn and 
the Death Watch were both that look and that appeal. And I got really concerned about it. Now, what made me feel better once they got away from... The peaceful people? Well, away from the cartoon itself, the Clone Wars. When they got into Star Wars Rebels, then we started to see, again, that shift towards different cultures, different looks, even different hairstyles and all that kind of crazy stuff. At least it wasn't blonde hair, blue-eyed, everybody looks the same Right. look. You know what and, I mean? And, 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 and what happened in between that? Well, and that's where the, the war had happened in between. No. George sold the... the that true, to Disney. Right. Yeah, true. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like, that yeah. was my concern. When they when they put that on the screen, I was like, whoa, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Like, And it actually concerned me. I was actually like, even Satine, you know, fit the profile. The only person that did not fit that profile was Bo-Katan. And I don't know if that was to make her stand out on purpose or not. I'm not quite sure, but... She had red hair and I think brown eyes, so it didn't quite, you know, line up with everything else. Right, that which, which in my opinion is a felony creation because it's the night owl. Right, she's the only it. one that had the, the night right. owl helmet the to bucket. make her stand out. Right. I think is really what it was. So, so that was always my concern about the Clone Wars and what they did to Mandalorians. Then we come out of the other side of it, and now we are looking at the Rebels version of the Mandalorians, which I think really brought it back more towards the the old style, right? Like that was the whole part of the dark saber creating a new Mandalore, having the clans come back in and being an important part of the culture. I'm hoping that maybe with the Mandalorian TV show, we're going to see the reinvention of the alien Mandalorian. Maybe I'm hoping, you know, they bring that concept back in and maybe that Mandos start to look like what we talked about, which is the people that are trying to bring up all those people that got left behind from before. So, but yeah, it's a good history. I think it's a good way to look at. So, like, if you haven't have no idea what Mandos are, and you want to go watch the Mandalorian, and before you watch it, you want to get a little bit of a brief history. This is a, a good explanation of it. Um, Eric, you sent the article to us. Is there a particular reason, or you just thought it was interesting? I thought it was interesting just to come out now, as like you said, as a primer as right. they're preparing this Mandalorian TV show. You know, there could be a lot of casual Star Wars fans out there who don't know too much of the history. They go, oh, there's Boba Fett. Oh, there was Jango Fett. And they got turned into clones. And <laughs> they have never, they could never have watched the cartoons because it's right. kiddie stuff. And so they don't know all the backstory we're seeing there. And this is a good way to kind of reprime yourself on, on the history of it. Yeah. Well, the scattered history that some of it's not right anymore and apparently right. some of it's not real anymore and whatever. But, yeah, if you, you read through this, you have a good base to start understanding. Absolutely. And then you can go on, hopefully, the... Uh, Hopefully the TV show does stuff in the right direction. Do you think there's anything they missed in this, Gary? Any any big particular gaffes? No, I don't think so. Okay. Except for that the original Mandalorian culture right. were aliens. Right. Right, like there actually was an alien culture called the Mandalorians. Yeah, they lived on Mandalore. That they, lived on Mandalore, right. right. The, the indigenous people of Mandalore. Right. That even though they got wiped out, there's still some of them out there. They right. still actually do exist. Um, the only other thing I really would have wished they would have gotten into a little bit is the mention of Beskar Gam and what that is. For those people that don't know, because it's not in the article, Beskar Gam is the armor that Mandalorians wear, but it's a special type of armor, and they go over it in Clone Wars a little bit. It's not just steel. It's Mandalorian steel. It's able to withstand a lightsaber. It, it, uh, it scrambles the lightsaber. scrambles the lightsaber. It, it can deflect any blaster bolt. Um, except, I think, Chewies. I think it's like Bowcasters, the only thing it doesn't deflect. Uh, and it's pretty powerful stuff. It's supposed to be a big deal, you know. And that's why Shatterpoints are my 
my point of death because supposedly the only way Mace Windu could beat a Mandalorian was to find the shatter point in the Beskar game, the weak spot in the armor. And, Which would be the and neck. Exploit it. <laughs> Take off a head. Well, that's the weird thing about Beskar game when you look at it because everybody's like, wow, it's so amazing. It deflects things. I'm like, but wait a minute. Their legs are exposed. You know, like their arms are exposed. So you can't sit there and say they're totally invincible. There are right. spots where there isn't well, armor. Well, think, think of a cop going out on patrol. He's right. not wearing. He's not 100% protected. No, he's got a vest. Right. You know, and that it's going for the central right. core area to protect the organs and stuff. Right. So, you know, <laughs> like any other armor, you know, there's chinks in the armor. So Yeah, you, to be fully armored means you're walking around like a knight and you don't have much mobility. <laughs> or visual <laughs> kind of like we feel when we wear our best car <laughs> i mean i would think that their visor is a weak point that a lightsaber to the visor i would, would think so through. too i've always kind of if thought someone that could too. get a straight strike. yeah straight through the the t-visor portion yeah. not the helmet yeah okay so that brings us to our next article that, that we uh pulled up and this is from up rocks and several other sites for that matter and guess Actually, what it's more about mandalorians right it's it's been all over the internet today to be honest with you uh, it's been confirmed by Kathleen Kennedy that the Boba Fett movie that was supposedly in kind of a pre-production mode is canned, gone, done. 100% dead. Is 100% dead. And I I have mixed feelings about this. And I know Eric was just kind of like, oh, this could be a good thing. And I was kind of like, mm, well, I didn't know if it's a good thing. I just said there's, I see. You were I, trying to I, see I, the upside of it. I, see what I, I think I see what they're doing, which is if you're already spending 10 million dollars per, per episode, episode on a TV right. show about Mandalorians and your movies have notoriously been on the waning side, especially your most recent past telling story being the lowest Star Wars earning for, in the franchise. Right. Do you do two projects at once about Mandalorians? And I could see the decision there to people in, behind doing the books and everything would be like a no-brainer. No, focus on the TV show. Right. And and this way you could bring in Boba Fett possibly into if he, the TV if he show. survived the Sarlacc and that becomes canon you want to bring him in you can into the show right and you've got that out so it's like why make a movie about his past when the past movies aren't doing that great and we're doing this big expensive TV show let's let's focus on that so I think it's purely a we've oversaturated the market in certain things let's not do it on a specific set of characters let's let's limit that. Gary, do you think the Star Wars, the solo movie not doing well is specifically to oversaturation? Or do you think it's just simply backlash from The Last Jedi? Backlash from The Last Jedi, because I know a lot of people that would have gone seen solo had they not seen The Last Jedi. Right. You know, like two months before. Right. But that's the other problem when we say saturation. <laughs> well, that's why I'm saying timing. saturation, right? Is it a no, timing they, issue? Or if is it came it out this Christmas, I think it would have done better. I think it would too, but it was more of the fact that The Last Jedi just... Burned so many people? Burned so many people up so bad that they refused to go see Solo. Right, right. And I, I think that's a shame, you know? But at the same time, I'm thinking maybe Disney's doing the right thing by saying, whoa, break. And let's really find out what's what do the fans really want? Like, what do they are you know? Maybe they're finally listening. Maybe that the fans don't want what they did last Christmas, which was a well, two fans, a bad movie followed by actually a pretty halfway decent movie. But you wouldn't have known because the fans were so upset about the first one, they weren't willing to go see the second one. Right. I think it's also the first time Disney's realized they can't just slap the Star Wars name on something and it's going to be amazing. I think they thought that would just be that, right? They could put whatever they wanted out there, slap the Star Wars name on it, and everybody would jump. Right. And it was the first time, I think, that everybody's like, wait a minute, not so much so. Maybe that was an eye-opener. 
I have mixed feelings about it. I, I don't, the only reason I say I don't, I'm not happy about it. It's actually, this is really going to sound really dumb. It has nothing to do with the movie. I feel bad for Daniel Logan. Because he probably would have been the guy to be tapped on to be in the Boba Fett movie. I guarantee that was the discussion. And for him to lose his movie because Disney is making poor decisions is kind of, I don't know. I, I That concerns me a little bit. I, I like Daniel. I don't think it's fair if that was the plan to take his movie away because they planned things poorly on their end. Right. Uh, on the flip side, as I said to Eric earlier, trying to look on the bright side of this thing, since Disney's kind of screwing up everything they make into a movie currently, maybe it's a good thing they're leaving Boba Fett alone for right now because it's one less thing they can mess up. Maybe Filoni can make up for the Skywalker screw-up with the next movie, and then maybe this is you know something they look at down the road, possibly. You mean J.J. Uh, Abrams? Yeah. Or J.J. Abrams, sorry. J.J. Abrams and uh, not Filoni. But uh, I don't know. We'll have to see how this all plays out. But if they don't have him in the movie and then don't have him in the TV show, I'd be a little upset just to kind of erase Boba for a while and not see him at all. I don't know. I'd, I'd want to see him somewhere. Okay, the last thing we want to talk about, uh, well, I'll put it this way. We'll, we'll start out by saying this, that John Williams is in my thoughts and prayers, and I'm sure the thoughts and prayers of all of us here at the Galaxy Cast. Um, it has come to our attention that he has been hospitalized. Uh, ironically, we don't know from what. Uh, we just know that John was supposed to be actually at the Royal Albert Hall tonight as we record conducting a concert, but he had to cancel. Uh, he was also supposed to be at the Vienna Philharmonic on November 3rd and 4th, um, but he has also canceled his appearances there. Now, luckily... Dirk Brosse is taking his place. Uh, great conductor, by the way, for those who don't know a lot about classical conducting. It, there could not be a better person to go take John Williams' place. But it's I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried about John Williams. He's 82 years old, and he's not exactly in his young days anymore. You know what I mean? You just don't bounce back from things. Now, Eric, you made the point that it was rather sudden. And so – that kind of points to a couple of things that might have been something like a cold or pneumonia or something like that. Uh, and I mean, we said, it's not saying, I mean, it could have been anything. Could be. We're just speculating <laughs> could right have now. Could have been a stroke. Right. We don't know. We don't know at this point. Um, you know, pneumonia, even at at his age, at 82, is a big deal. Like Very. that, That's life threatening at, at 82 years old. So uh, my heart goes out to John Williams. My heart goes out to the Star Wars community because I know we're all kind of like on pins and needles, like, what's going on? What's happening? You know, part of me is like, this could be like, a potential disaster for episode nine, you know, because he has not written the music for it yet. Cause usually he waits till principal photography is done. He sits down with principal photography, then writes, which the music it is with done, it. isn't it? Uh, I not thought, all of it. it there is a couple reshoots. They're going back currently to go back and redo. And Williams agreed to wait. And that's why he doesn't have any of the music done yet. So I don't know. I kind of hope he's not out for episode nine now at this point. Uh, which could be another pivotal point for a Star Wars movie to not have John Williams uh, on board. That that's crazy. I can't like, I can't imagine in my lifetime I'd be saying we're gonna go listen to a Star Wars or watch a Star Wars movie, but not listen to John Williams music. Right. I, it's phenomenal. To They'll me. get Danny Elfman instead. Oh gosh, please no, please no. Uh, you know, and then I sit here and I look at John Williams and I say, oh my gosh, who? When you talk about a storied career. I mean, there's nobody else out there that could say they've got this career. Think about this. He's had 51 nominations for Academy Awards. 
The only person to have more, <laughs> Walt Disney. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And he's doing the music to movies. Not directing, not producing, not... He is the guy doing the music. I mean, that's just phenomenal. To have 24 Grammy Awards, seven British Academy Film, uh, Academy Film Awards, four Golden Globes. I mean, it's just the list of the things he's won is phenomenal. He's I, – I, I said to my wife the other night when we saw this on Facebook, I'm like, he's on my bucket list. And I'm going to be upset if John passes on before I get a chance to fulfill my bucket list. So for those who want to give me a birthday gift or something, I've been dying for something good this year. Uh, I really that that's like my dream is to meet John Williams. I've never met the guy. He's one of the few people I haven't met that I'm like dying to go meet because I just uh, I don't know. He's on my bucket list. Mm. He's he's one of the guys I want to go pick his brain and just be like, how do you do it? I mean, like that's phenomenal. So I don't know if you guys had anything to say about John Williams and uh, just that I wish him the best. I mean, when it's something they say a sudden illness is yeah. the term they use, but that could still mean anything. Right. My hopes is. He got a flu-like thing that right. that really struck him down hard, and he needs to be hospitalized. I mean, maybe he's super dehydrated. I mean, all right. that can happen to you, and you you got to be in there for a while. But I hope he's okay. I yeah. mean, I just send the best, you know, yeah. and hope for the best for him. And we'll just have to wait and hear what the what the news brings. The really weird thing for me was it happened what three days before Carrie Fisher's birthday, and I was just kind of like, yeah, that hit hard because I was kind of like, okay, Carrie Fisher, John Williams, you know, it's like, ah. You know, I just, I don't know. There's something about that that just hit home. Uh, Gary, any thoughts about John Williams? And I just hope he gets well soon as so. well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's, uh, let's wrap up this segment of uh, our, our episode. So we talked about Johnny Depp and the Pirates of the Caribbean. We talked about the theft on the Mandalorian uh, set. We talked about the history of Mandalorians. And we talked about the Boba Fett movie getting suspended. Uh, actually, 100% canned at this point. Dead. And John Williams being in the hospital. So we'd love to hear what you have to say. Head on over to galaxycast.com. Uh, find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. Find us on YouTube and let us know what you think. And uh, we're going to take a pause for a little bit. We'll be back in just a little bit to watch, after we watch, the latest episode of Star Wars Resistance, which is episode two. We'll be back in a bit. Look, what's that ahead? Are those asteroids? No. Their commercials. We'll be right back. You love her. You cherish her. But let's face it, she's a lot. I can't eat anything here. Because she's provocative. Because she's magnetic. Because there's always something. There's nobody good here. You give her the sun, the moon, and the stars. But for now, give her something to distract her. Cartier presents the diamond-encrusted fidget spinner. 14 karat gold embedded with princess cut diamonds designed to calm her because she, quote, has anxiety. So fast. You do you and her do that. I'm balancing it. She's vivacious. She's feisty. She told you she's thinking of opening a restaurant. And you're like, I guess. Give her something to focus on because let's face it, She's been reading The Goldfinch for two years. She litters. 
she has to take cabs because her Uber rating is so low. When she's around gay men, it's exactly how you think it would be. And you know she's a completely different person with her family. Hi, Daddy. Intriguing, addictive, a way to pass the time. I'm talking about the fidget spinner. Hey, can we go? I'm really sick. Hey. Okay. Cartier fidget spinner. Because God, the sex is good. Hi, I'm Sue Murray, and I want to be your next governor. I know how to lead from the front. I used to be a school teacher. I know what's best for San Andreas. Many of our leaders aren't doing their homework or studying like they should. You're not living up to your full potential. I know how to use third grade academic terms and talk down to a room of hyperactive, immature morons to get what I want. I can get things done. I'll make sure the 1% looks after the rest of us like they should. That you get what you deserve from people that work hard. Vote for me for governor. This helpful instructional message from the National Association of People Who Have Trouble Walking and Chewing Gum at the Same Time. Step, chew. Step, chew. Step, chew. Step, chew. Now, fight for the galaxy with the incredible weapons of the Jedi Knights. The Luke Skywalker lightsaber and the new Darth Vader lightsaber. Both with blazing extendable light blades and three real movie sounds. Clash and strike Star Wars lightsabers. That is not included. It's all separate. You can Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business, offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world. Thank you for your patience during our galactic promotions. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. Hey folks, welcome back to this episode of the Galaxy Cast, Eric's re-review season one, episode two of Star Wars Resistance, titled The Triple Dark. Which is really weird because you would think that's supposed to be the focus of the whole episode, but yet it didn't really end up being the focus well, of the whole the episode. Well, the triple dark was an important bit. It was a, kind of a code word that ended up meaning something and a double meaning. and Right. But it was kind of weird that we didn't really mention it until almost what? Halfway through. Well, I think it was even a little further than that. I think we were a good 15 to 20 minutes in before we heard the word triple dark come out of anybody's mouths, which I thought was interesting. Hey, that's interesting. I did not know that D. Bradley Baker's playing the voice of Glem. That explains so much right now. And Gravel. 
Yeah, and Gravel too. So, you know, yet again, there's Dee Bradley Baker all over the place. Long story short, we start to see for the first time whether Kaz can, well, fake it, I guess is the best way to put it, as a mechanic here on this station. So what did you guys think of his faking as a mechanic? I hated where they went. Okay. I did not want to see the cocky, know-it-all, teenage kid overacting and walking around. I'm a spy. I'm going to sneak my hands in the air and doing all these cartoony things that were just just stereotypes, you know, of this whole idea. And it really disappointed me that he's a cocky, unlikable over, you know, and I, oh, the story arc, he's got to learn from his mistakes and learn to not be cocky, and he does by the end of the episode. Yeah, in a few moments, he entirely changes. And it just, I didn't like what they did. I liked him more the first episode where he was, yeah, he was getting into trouble, but he seemed like he was, you know, this just, that whole cockiness. And the, okay. people don't act like that in real life. People don't sit there going, uh, yeah, I knew that. It's like, you don't, you don't act like that. And right. to me, when they do that and they overdo it, it just doesn't work for me. Okay. So, Gary, what did you think of his like? <laughs> I was about ready to walk out of it. <laughs> come out here and sit at the table. <laughs> okay. But I, is, is it the same thing, like the cockiness of Kaz in, in that in that regard? The childish stuff that he was doing. That's all. Okay. Yeah. It's, 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 I, I didn't need it. I get it's, it. It's Ezra all over again in a way. It, you it, know? It's, it's like, not even. It, it's it's Ezra was a little more likable than, than yeah. this guy is. I'll go back and, one, and, one and further. And that, that's hard to, hard to imagine, me saying that. I'll go back one further. <laughs> I think this was very Anakin-esque, like, from, like, Attack of the Clones. You know, like, well, if politicians aren't going to make it happen, then I'll just make them do it. You know what I mean? That was almost the mentality of this kid, too. No, not really. But without the power behind it. Yeah. You know, and that's the really weird thing. But all Anakin can get away with it because he had some power and he had some respect to the fact that he had all this, you know, power in the Force. Kaz has got nothing. You know, it's like... But the difference with Anakin was he is... He knew he had the power, and he didn't know what to do with the power, and he was getting that anger coming out. That that means that he's going to be turned to the dark side. Right. The other thing I don't like about this is for someone who's supposed to be secretive and have some sort of, you know, decorum about I'm on an information-seeking mission. Yeah. He talks about being a spy a lot. I'm a spy. I'm a spy who needs to spy my spying mission. I'm going to spy. Is this how I spy? I got to go spy. It's like, shut the heck up. Please ex- yeah, d- apparently he display doesn't know what spies this stuff. Are. Display this stuff. It, they're doing that whole, we're going to tell you and not show you story method. It, we're going to talk things way too straightforward. And there's going to be no subtlety to the dialogue. And there's going to be no subtlety to the way he acts. It's... I was afraid it would get, I mean, granted it's a cartoon, yeah, but it's too cartoonish. <laughs> you know, his way he's acting is too over the top and, and it's, I'm not, it's not working for me. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately too. It's a cartoon. Think about this for a second. That's on Sunday night at 10 PM. A cartoon. Yeah. Sunday night, the day before school at 10 PM. Yeah. And right now, I mean, at least from the two episodes we've seen, I would say the target audience is the tweenies, right? Like oh, it's between young. ten yeah, and young. ten and fifteen, I'd say. First off, that's not a time that tweenies should be up. At least I hope they're not up. As a teacher, that concerns me. So okay, let's say it's, they have DVRs it's for a, a minute. D- it let's, is a DVR let's, world. Let, now. Let's say it's a DVR world, and I get that. That that's totally fine, and they can live with that. Here's the flip side of it too. I think they've marketed it so well to the tweeners that they forgot everybody else. 
And so a lot of the cool stuff they could be putting in, uh, not there. I agree with you guys. Actually, for once, I think we might actually be pretty close to be on the same page. I'm starting to get a little concerned about the show after today's episode. The weird thing about today's episode is the best character in the whole show is BB-8. Right. And I can't believe I'm saying that. I And I not because I love BB-8, because I do, but that's a completely different story. I didn't want BB-8 to be the focus of this show. I wanted Kaz and all the, the pilots to be the focus. And granted, and yet, we've met none of the pilots. We've met right. one other pilot. One other pilot. <clears throat> There's so a maybe, lot to go. Maybe it'll get better. I don't know. You know, we, I don't know. But at least of what we've seen so far, I'm kind of like, wow. I don't know. What well, about Kaz's interaction with the other people with the crew? So we've got his reaction with Jaeger. Jaeger, thank you. So what did you guys think about his interaction with Jaeger? I will say at the very end, Jaeger did not seem to be at all concerned that he was being told someone was a pirate assistant. Right. And was blowing it off. And it's kind of like, I would listen to that, you know, if I lived on this platform that could be attacked by pirates. And if, you know. Yeah, already do it, though. He does. That's the thing. I mean, that's. He, well, and what if Jaeger's working with the pirates? You know what I mean? Or he's just one of those. I don't see nothing, I don't say anything, I'm making money. Because remember, the ship he's working on is a pirate ship. He doesn't say that, but that they worked on a pirate ship. So, you know, Kaz worked on a pirate ship, you know what I mean? So that, I don't know, that that was kind of a weird one. And Niku apparently is clueless, so that works for that too. It's that whole, yeah, they've played him up, like I said, as this completely innocent, naive character. And that's what they're going with. What about Tam, which is the female that interacts with all of them? What do you guys think of Tam so far? I mean, we saw her a little bit in this episode. I think they're just going for the stereotypical, she hates him, but she's going to end up liking him in the end. You know, it's he's he's rough around the edges, but he'll get better. Right. Just all the stereotypes you could name in terms of two characters interacting is kind of being thrown at this. And that's that's what's annoying me. I was hoping for something a little more original. And they do. All these animated shows keep aiming at a young, teenage, cocky character. Right. It's like they don't want to do the Luke Skywalker. They want to do Han Solo as a kid type thing. It's like, right. But Luke Skywalker, the innocent one who you kind of learn with, is the one that's more interesting to me. You know, It's like maybe because I didn't grow up as a cocky kid. I grew up as someone who was always you know, nervous and I was a typical you know, loner kid. So... I, w- I would be more interested in seeing this guy act realistically like, I don't know how to be a mechanic. What do I do? You know, it's like, right. instead of being like, I have a mission. I'm a spy. I'm a spy. I-, I have mixed feelings about this because, again, I'm going off of what I know. T- kids today have a tendency <laughs> to be a little more cockier than we oh, were. They mean, yeah, way more. I call it the know-it-all syndrome because they all have it. They all think they know it all. You know what I mean? Even though they don't. And they don't want to admit they don't know it all. And so I see a little bit of that in Kaz, and I think that they're playing to that. I think we get confused by that because that's just not the way we grew up. Right. We grew up with the ideal that we have to learn a lot still, and a lot of teenagers today come in. And I, I, I do owe it to the internet that they can Google anything, so they'll know it all at the, yeah. their fingertips. But I don't know if I like it being played off in this character. Like, when you look back, Ahsoka was the same way. She still felt like she had a lot to learn. Like, she still respected Anakin. She still felt like she needed to learn from Anakin, even though she had that kind of, like, cocky attitude about herself. It wasn't so cocky that she couldn't learn from the people around her. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing I'm worried about with Kaz is you're not getting that, like, at least he knows part of his place. He doesn't think that he needs any of that. 
And that's, yeah, I agree that that seems very um, off-putting, I think. He's not likable. Not because yet, he anyway. He needs to be likable. And yeah. to be likable, he's got to do some stuff that that I would I would identify with more. You know? Great. And, and just, I don't know. What about the role of Gravel in this episode and the two other guys that were behind him? Did that really matter to you at all? I mean, like, ultimately, did that storyline play out well or no? Well, I think he saved the guy's life. That's going to matter later. He got him through the door instead of being yeah. stuck outside. But, like, the whole – we get into blocking again. Mm-hmm. He hid behind a single crate four feet away from these two guys talking. There was no yeah. hiding. That's not anything where you might not be heard. That's you're sitting in a, behind a crate where I can totally see you right. from four feet away. So the whole getting and caught – And you get a droid going – Yeah, and, and they're talking to each other without whispering. Yeah. And yeah. It just – Oh, I'm spying. I yeah. can see what they're doing. It's like I said, it's all being done as if it was like, this is what I would write. If I was writing a script, this would have been my very first draft where I was explaining the character's motivations and the blocking and everything in the most obvious of terms so I could plot it out. Then I'd refine it to figure out the best ways to present this, you know? Right. And you don't think there was any refining? I don't, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of yeah. refining. It feels like they just go, they're going with tropes. Yep. And it's it's nerve wracking. And then they had the whole the thing that really upset me the most about this episode was the entire sequence out on the do, on the on the platform when the pirates were attacking and him getting they just threw reality out the window with mm-hmm. him getting blown off of the thing landing on a flying pirate ship windshield. He's absolutely fine even though the ship's flying at a hundred miles an hour and he smashes into the windshield. And he's like, oh hey joke, I'm on your windshield. Then he flies off that and lands back on the platform without being hurt. In a bucket. In a bucket. It's just like, they took it and went, now we're going to throw in physical comedy stuff that is just completely breaking the reality of any kind of physics in this show. Let's just throw that out the window for a joke. when you had Jedi, you could get away with that. But this is not a Jedi, so you cannot treat it the same. No, it was just totally out of place. It wasn't necessary. It was a bad joke to begin with. And it it was a horrible visual. So that sequence was, to me, one of the lowest rated things I've ever seen in a Star Wars animated moment. It was garbage. What about, you know, the the actual concept, the triple dark, that pirates would come in on a, a cloud, basically, attack a station and leave? Makes is, sense. Is that a cool idea? They come in at the, there's things about the episode i got to say I liked. I liked, the you know, the way the pirates attacked. I like the way, I gotta admit, I didn't see that feedback thing coming back and being important. Yeah, until they, the end. And, and yeah. when he used it, I was like, okay, that, they got me. He, he right. You know, and the, the I thought he'd use the comm for something else, but the fact that he could use it to mess with, the, to do a feedback right. loop into their, yeah, that all was kind of cool. Right. I was fine. If they had done a better telling of the rest of the episode and ended with that, I would have thought it was a good episode. But all the garbage they did to get there bothered me so much that I was just like, okay, fine, he gave him a feedback loop and whatever. I liked some of the plot and I liked you know the idea that there are pirates out there and the first thing he's realizing there are pirates and that this is a bigger mess than he thought you know there's more here involved there's things that were interesting enough about this episode but but the way they got there was bad so what what about the ships Gary did you like the the imperial ships the way they they portrayed them I mean it looked like an imperial shuttle that have been oh the pirate ships yeah they've been kind of kit bashed and yeah I always always liked that type of you know, throw, throwing together together, yeah, ships and stuff. I always like that idea. Even the um, racers are a little bit kit bashed too. Yeah. What do you think of the pirates being like a, a Bosk 
alien and you know a mix there of I, I like seeing some of the old aliens yeah uh, yeah some of the throwbacks to Return of the Jedi even Empire because the guy's helmet that the one guy was wearing yeah yeah was like it, a General Veer's General Veer's helmet yeah. yeah I loved having a Trident Ocean I thought that was a good yep you know and then the other guy's wearing just stormtrooper armor you know yep. even though he's a pirate I thought that was kind oh, yeah, of yeah the cool one who crashed little, yeah like a cool little you know just throwback to hey I've got stormtrooper armor check it out of all the things I was trying to look for that I was like I like. That was the couple of things I did like was the the throwbacks to the older Star Wars that we know and right. love. And then you said that they're just ra- basically race, racing speeders, but they they got weapons. On I them. didn't realize they had weapons on them. So that, well, that someone was in the nice very first know. race when yeah. he was watching from the platform, someone fired something. Oh, yeah. at one point during right. the very first race we saw and, and took the leader out. Yeah, it was that. Yeah, so I mean that was that was nice. That was at least a change of pace. Um, and they're clearly implying that there's something important about this platform. Obviously. Because, you know, A, Other than he, was, just he, being was, dropped, a spy he there. was dropped there on purpose. Right. You know, because why did why was it originally that Poe put him on the platform? He knew there was something going on, that there's right. some sort of information. There's a spy on the platform. you got to find the spy, you know, talking to the to the First Order. And now these pirates working with the First Order trying to attack, not the First, yeah, the First Order, yep. trying to attack the platform all implies that there's something important Big. on this platform. And we haven't met that guy who's up in the tower yet. True. You know, and so there, there's obviously a story they're building towards here. I can appreciate that, and that they're giving me just enough clues that right. I, I'm, I'm okay. Keep putting Still pieces keep together. Still want to keep moving towards. Yeah, it, I'm yeah. fine with all that, and I'm fine with that pacing of storytelling. But they got to knock it off with the stereotype characterizations and with the bad physics. Take that out. So. Here's my my next question before we go into the rating of the episode. Do you guys, what did you think of the reveal at the end here? Having uh, Phasma at the end, having Gwendolyn Christie, you know, voicing Phasma and Phasma. Obviously, they're after the platform for something. Was that a good idea bringing Phasma in at the end? Well, I knew Phasma was gonna. I mean, we've already heard that she was gonna be. In we the knew show. she was gonna be in it eventually. Um, I just find it interesting because not if there's a spot. Well, this is what I'm trying to figure out. If there's a spy on the platform mm-hmm. that he was sent to try to uncover, and there's pirates attacking the platform to get at it, it's, it's a, I'm I'm genuinely like, okay, what's going on? I hope this is leading somewhere important and cool because you're setting up some some dangling threads here that I hope you pull together. Um, and I was fine with throwing her in at the end as just a tease. I'm sure she'll be in it a little more as it goes on, but that was a nice little touch. I was fine with that. Do you like the tease, Gary? It was okay, but I, I think the whole platform thing is it's not there's a person there, there's something there that they want. That's not, what I'm not, thinking. Not, or down underneath the, the platform, down in the water and all that. Like fuel or something that they're looking for. Like a cloning facility or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe oh, yeah, it like is Camino a, or something. It is a water yeah. thing like Camino. I mean, maybe there is something buried under this platform, and you'll find out it's a big, important thing for the next episode, next season, yeah. or I don't know. But Maybe I'm, maybe it's the training facility for all the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I'm. Uh, I, w- I thought they did better with. I mean, he got into trouble in the first episode with the whole right. darts thing and the way he interacted with people. But they never took it over the top. Right. It was always like, okay, it's a cartoon, but they pulled it back. In this one, he got too cocky. Was too much the I'm sneaking around spy with the eyebrows going and looking around, and then he was so easily caught because he hid behind a single crate five feet from people, and then the whole travesty of the being blown off the platform and landing on ships and mm-hmm. landing back on the platform those things pulled me so out of it that I'm 
I'm nervous about how much of that are they going to do this season because they do such a nice job from what we've seen so far with the racing sequences. Right. You know, with planning those out and getting the camera angles looking cool and, you know, and the aerial combat is kind of nice so far. Right. So I'm nervous about if they're going to totally mess it up with the characters and the people but have great aerial sequences. Okay, so let's get into our rating. Uh, zeros don't bother, tens must see. Anybody want to go first? I guess I'll go first. I'll go first with this one. Go. I'm going to give this one a three. Three. I wasn't impressed. I wanted more. It's really bad when, again, even though I love BB-8, BB-8's my best character in the episode. I can go, hey, that was a pretty good BB-8 episode. I shouldn't have to do that. Right. That was kind of like with Rebels going, if it was a good Chopper episode, it was good. Yeah, no. That, that was never a good thing there either. And... I don't know. I agree with you, Eric. There's just a lot of immaturity here. Not a good episode as far as storytelling is concerned. The triple dark, you know, the idea of it I liked, but they didn't... The fact we didn't even mention it until three quarters of the way through the right. episode bothers me drastically. If we just started with that and worked towards that as the main point, I might have been more into it, but it just really... It was awkward. Yeah. What would you rate it, Eric? I'll give it a four. Okay. Um... I would have liked the episode better if the triple dark was a looming storm that you saw coming all episode. Right. And next episode, at the very end of it, the pirates attacked. Right. And that yeah, was for I get next. What you're saying. It's like they're rushing the storytelling too much. They're really trying to cram stuff in. And that was my problem I always had with Rebels. They didn't seem to do it in Clone Wars. Clone Wars seemed to know how to take its time. Right. But Rebels seemed to be like, we got to tell these complete story arcs in one to two episodes and put way too much in. And now they're doing it again with this. They're telling. It's like they don't know how to pace themselves and make it interesting. Right. I would have liked that that storm had been this thing you saw on the horizon. And all episode, it was this ominous thing that was coming. And as it arrived, the pirates came blasting out of it just as he realized that guy was a spy. Great. Right. Peek it there. Next episode. Big aerial battle while he does whatever. I think they could pace this better. Meanwhile, we had stupid things like getting caught in a box that got thrown down into yeah. the... Yeah. You know, yeah. It's like they, they did all these stuff, you know, forced humor and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, even, like I said, the box sequence. Over-listening to people and getting caught? Fine. But how about he ducked into a, a small little narrow area or area where he's in a shadow right. and we can't see him, but then he moves and his damn trophy glints and the guy catches sight of it. Right. And goes, there's people in this, you know, and they grab him. Two seconds there. I just rewrote that scene so it would have visually worked better and gotten rid of the silliness of it. Right. Put a little thought into these moments instead of just just doing the bare bones that you can do in terms of setting up a physical space and then okay now we just tell our what we want to tell. They they gotta put a little more thought into this. So those things pull me out too much. The feed, like I said, the feedback thing actually was a nice touch touch okay. at coming back to it because I didn't expect it to. Usually I can pick up on those things. Yeah, I usually agree with when you. they drop something, you're like, oh, that's going to be important later. Yeah. I didn't get they they tricked me. I didn't get that sense at all. I thought it was him being a klutz and setting off that feedback. And the fact that it worked later was like, okay, they got me. I didn't I didn't foresee that one, and it was a nice foreshadowing touch. But yeah, they they got to they got to work on their storytelling to tell this better. What do you think, Gary? What would you rate it? Well, I'm in agreement with you, Bob. A three. Yeah, three. The ships is what did it for me. Yeah, that was the only thing I really found you know, interesting. You know my opinion on BB-8, so I won't go there. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I'm not offended. I did like the what, Grevel or whatever his name is there. Yeah. Minus money and all that. I did, yeah. I did was, like that part. He's fine. He's, I, he's I, a, did, yeah. I like him as a character. I like yeah. the trophy. It's an Erodium trophy even. I thought that was kind of a nice little touch yeah. that we didn't know until we got, yeah. you know. And the fact they just sell the damn thing and you get yourself out of all these problems. <laughs> you know? Yeah, why don't you? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But the whole, I'm a spy. I'm going to be spying on everything. It, it, it bugged the crap out of me right from the get-go. Yeah. And 
obviously they don't have any weather forecasters uh, either. So they, they, you know, just you know, high storm. Yeah. Okay. I can see the storm coming it would have been a good touch, but just have a radio broadcast or just a general broadcast to everybody that the triple dark's coming or yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know. The course on think, weather network. And that's the earth. Yeah, you'd think they'd know. Well, when the triple dark comes, there's a chance we might get attacked by pirates. Yeah. yeah. So clearly the guy in the platform knows. So maybe we should put out the stuff to protect us from the pirates. Yeah. <laughs> well, golly, the storm's coming. Shazam! <laughs> okay, so there those... anything? What was your favorite moment of the entire episode? Favorite moment? Let's be positive. Okay. I want to hear everyone's favorite moment. When the pirates started attacking. I thought I liked that idea coming out of the storm and everything and... The platform taking up the defenses and stuff. Mm-hmm. That, that was probably my favorite part. I know you thought it was campy humor, but I actually thought it was funny when he landed on the windshield of the ship. I mean, yeah, it was stupid, but it was campy humor, and I I thought it was funny. I just that's your favorite part. <laughs> I, I I don't know. BB-8's favorite part. I know. Well, my no, he my, just I doesn't want to say that. That's all. It's a tie between that and when BB-8 came over and like. Uh, no, actually, no. You know what it was? It was when what's his face, the the klutz, Glem, when he when he gave him the wrong item and he electrocuted himself on the ship. That was that was a pretty funny moment. I was pretty cool with that. Oh, you mean Meek? Meek. Thank you. Sorry, yeah. not Glem. Meek. Uh, when he when he electrocuted himself, I thought that was pretty funny at the beginning. Yeah. What my, about mine was the payoff of the feedback. Okay. Was the you know when once he got the thing, right. I, I was like my instant mind went to okay they've been doing bad storytelling this whole time he's gonna go on there and be like uh let's call off the attack you know he's gonna start talking on the yeah. thing and say something stupid or you right. know he's gonna that's what I expected right and when they went and they actually used the thing from earlier and it kind of made sense that if he's sending this through and they can't talk to each other and they can't plan and it's right. you know it's so loud it's painful and you know the fact that they called off the attack so easily didn't quite work for me they're like oh let's get out of here but the fact that he used that was yeah. actually just a nice rewarding moment okay cool so we'd love to hear what you have to say uh, head on over to our website galaxycast.com head over to twitter or facebook and find us on youtube uh, we'd love to know what you thought of this episode of star wars resistance did you like it or did you not like it were you in our boat or were you in a different boat uh, we'd love to hear from you and as we like to say here in the star production studios may, may the force be with those who listen Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this show. Were it not for you, our loyal listeners, this show would not exist. We appreciate your time and want to hear from all of you, since our podcast is by fans and for fans. Head on over to our website at galaxycast.com to find out more about our show. Write to the show by sending an email to galaxycast at gmail.com. If you have something positive to say, use the subject line, We like and use a show. If you have a complaint, make your subject line, You've failed me for the last time. And look for the Galaxy Cast on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and other media soon to come. Carry on, wayward travelers. Warp Factor 2. First star to the left, straight on till morning.